0: funny and I heard um, about the top 10 reasons why God created Eve and so I decided to whittle it down to the top three reasons why God created Eve you ready for number three drum roll and that is God created Eve because God knew one day Adam would need someone to help him find the remote he lost some of you have been there that's why you laughed all right reason number two why god created eve was god was worried that adam would frequently be lost in the garden and would not stop and ask for directions <laughs> and then the most important one number one i think the ladies will agree with this when god finished creating adam he stepped back scratched his head and said i can do better than that <laughs> come on all the ladies like that one. Oh, uh, oh we're just playing we're having fun this morning You know, God has a word for us and we started a brand new series called For Your Kingdom. I chose this series because we're actually releasing the album For Your Kingdom on the weekend of the well. You know, there's a kingdom that God has established. In fact, he told the disciples, he said, when you go out and you minister, tell the people, the kingdom of heaven is near. You know, it's interesting, the word kingdom actually means the domain of the king. And so God is establishing his domain, his authority on the earth. And he wants us to know that the kingdom is here, the kingdom is near. What does that look like? How do we live that out? I love what Jesus even said. He said this, he said, seek first the kingdom and everything else will be added unto you. Unfortunately, we search to seek out everything else. But God says, seek the kingdom first, live for the kingdom, for your kingdom, and then everything else will work out. And then he ends that statement by saying, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So today we're going to take a look at what what is the kingdom? What does that look like for us? And we're going to find some principles that God has for us. You know, why don't you stand to your feet? And as you stand, we're going to read this verse. But you know, our church family isn't just in this room here in Valencia. We have church family in, in satellite and sister campuses in places like Santa Paula, San Diego, Blythe. We also have people joining us today in Dallas, Chicago, Louisiana. Um, I love food in Louisiana. Michigan, Nevada, Texas, San Francisco, Hawaii, Illinois, Arkansas, Michigan. Will you welcome all your church family that's joining us today online? Yeah, we're glad you're with us. So let's read this first part together and then I'm going to pray over you and we're going to continue. Matthew 20 verse 1 says this. Let's read together out loud. Those online as well. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his venue. Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, speak to us today. Teach us what it means to live for your kingdom. Teach us what it it means to be people of the kingdom. Speak to us today in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. amen. You may be seated. Many, many years ago, there were big, strong nations like England that went as an imperial power and colonized other parts of the world. They would go to places like the Bahamas, and they would establish their kingdom, the domain of the king. So now the king of England and the queen of England were the king and queen of the Bahamas. And what they would do is they would say, now that we've established our domain here, now you're loyal to the king, and the principles and Guidelines to live by in the kingdom apply to you. So now you drive on the left side of the road and you drink tea instead of coffee and you, you follow the principles of the kingdom. And what God is wanting us to do is, is even though we're here on earth, we have a choice. Are we gonna live under the domain of this world and the God of this world? Or are we gonna d- live under the domain in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus said it this way, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I want to read this story now, and when I get into this story we're going to find some principles because Jesus likens the kingdom to this parable, this story, and we're going to learn some truth from it. He says, For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. Now let me pause there. Um, In those days you didn't get a job and have a contract to work for a company for a year. You were a daily worker most of the time, which means you would go to a place, maybe it was Home Depot, maybe they had Home Depot back then. People would go and they would wait and workers and owners of properties would come and say, okay, who would like to work? And they would hire them for an appropriate wage for the day. That's how they provided for their family. And so they showed up. And what the Bible says is that the landowner showed up early in the morning at six o'clock. But what you'll read on between verse two and verse eight is that he didn't just come at six in the morning and have them come out and work for 10 hours or whatever. He came back at nine and hired some more workers. He came back at 12 and looked for some more workers. He came back at three and even at five with only one hour left in the day and he hired workers for the field. That evening, he told the foreman, pay them, beginning with the last workers first, When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full full day's wage. But those hired first came, when they came, they assumed they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested, they complained. Those people worked only one hour and yet you paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day long. He answered them, Friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? I wanted to pay these last workers the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. In this story, we see some principles, and I'm going to give you two today that will help you and I to live as people of the kingdom. For your kingdom. Say that with me. For your kingdom. If we're going to be people of the kingdom, if we're going to have the kingdom near us rather than far away, if we're going to participate in the domain of the king, we need to understand that it's a kingdom of workers. The first point of this story that often is overlooked when people read through it is that this is a kingdom of workers, people that are working. We read the passage that we read in Matthew 20, verse 1. says, for the kingdom of heaven is like. So this is what the kingdom of heaven should be right here on earth. It's like a landowner who went out and said one morning, uh, I need to hire some what? Workers. What are those? Workers. workers for the vineyard. In other words, let me just make it plain and real for all of us. If we're people of the kingdom that live for your kingdom, we need to understand that God is looking for people to use their talents for his kingdom. God is looking for people to use their talents for the kingdom. You've been given talents. You've been given gifts. And those gifts have been given to you, not just for your purposes. God gave them to you because he's looking for people to work in his kingdom. Your gifts are there to work for his kingdom. And I think we undervalue this part of the story. And here's why. Because God, if, if, if the land represents God, he didn't just go in the morning and look for workers. He spent his whole day trying to get workers into the field. It was his priority. It's all that he thought about. It's all that he did. And the point I want to make is that this idea that God is looking for people to use their gifts and serve in the kingdom is a big deal to God in fact let me show you the Bible says in Luke chapter 10 we're going to look at it Jesus sent out 70 followers of his to go into cities to prepare the way for him to come and he was sending them out to lay hands on the sick to heal people to cast out demons to do all these amazing miracles but before they went these were his instructions this was the most important thing that he told them says in Luke 10:2 these were his instructions to them the harvest is great but the what workers, workers are what few. are few and he goes on to say so pray to the lord who is in charge of the harvest ask him to send more workers in to the field this is a big deal god is saying listen my kingdom is a kingdom of people who are supposed to be busy working for the kingdom in fact we should make it our prayer that God, send more workers into the field. God, bring more people into the field. There's so much to be done, so much to be accomplished, and he needs laborers, he needs workers, he needs you. In fact, let me just push the envelope a little bit. Some of you may be a little uncomfortable, but if the kingdom is about working for the kingdom, If you haven't found a place to use your gift for God or you're not using your gift for God, how near are you to the kingdom? Somebody say, oh me or amen, something. Just throwing that out. (laughs) You see, God gives us our gifts, and he gives us not just for our kingdoms, not just for our families, not just for our future, but we learn to live for others. We learn to live to, to be a part of thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And part of that is understanding that we're supposed to use what we've been given to serve in the kingdom. You know, examples of this, I, I found a story of a church down in San Diego, and one of the things that they love to do is empower people to use their gifts, and so, after a sermon or a series on you know use your gifts for God, they, they had a woman come up to one of the, the workers and, and they, she said, I want to use my gift for God and I want to be in the field and, and he's like, okay, well, what do you do? What's your gift? And she says, I make dolls. Now, our first response would be, how is that used for the kingdom? Because I bring this up because so many of us, when I bring that up, your, your mentality or we, we think so quickly. Well, God, you know, God knows I'm not I don't have any talents. I can't play a guitar. I can't sing. When I sing in the shower, the door closes. (laughs) I don't have any gifts. You know, the Bible says that everyone God has given gifts. Some of us have a gift to give, some of us have a gift to organize, some of us have a gift to write, some of us have a gift to clean. All of us have been given gifts. And in this situation, she comes and says, I make dolls, that's my gift. How can God use that? How can that be a part of the kingdom? Did you know that now in San Diego, every police officer in the back of their police car, in the trunk, they have several dolls that were made by this woman because they discovered that when they go to a domestic violence call... And the domestic violence situation has kids and the kids are getting caught up in the drama that when they give them a doll to play with, it distracts them so they can help the family through this difficult time. Did you know that every police officer now is helping families with domestic violence because someone said, I'm going to get in the field and I'm going to use my gift. Come on, somebody say "Amen." There was a woman that got saved here at Higher Vision. I believe she was a Buddhist at the time, and she got saved about five, six years ago, and recently they moved out of of the state to another state. But I'll never forget, they came to coffee with the pastor, which we have tonight, by the way, if you're new. Come and see us at six o'clock, right here in the cafe. She showed up, and she heard about the church, and she's like, you know what, I'm a Christian, and I I wanna do something, I wanna use my gift. And I said, well, what do you do? And she said, I can bake, and I'm like, hallelujah. (laughs) Come on, anybody out there like sweets? She says, it's really good. She goes, can I, can I try it out and make sure that I'm good? Can, will you try it? So she brought some in. And I think I served them to the staff one day. And we're like, hallelujah, she's got a gift. <laughs> and did you know, for the last five years, every time we gather for coffee with the pastor, instead of those old, ugly, stale cupcakes from Ralph's that have been sitting out for a week and a half, we had freshly made cookies and cupcakes and sweets that were a blessing to all the new people that came to our church because someone realized the kingdom of God is about getting in the field and working with your gift. You have a gift. And the question is, are you near to the kingdom? Are you letting the king's domain affect your life and what you do with what you've been given? Or are you still living under another kingdom? Because his is a kingdom of workers. Somebody say amen. amen. You want to plug in somewhere? We got a place for you. We'll help you find a place to serve. Go talk to one of our hosts. Let's keep going, though. As we find in Matthew chapter 20, it says this. He called the workers in. They got ready to pay him. And this is what's interesting. This is that evening, he told the foreman, pay them beginning with the last worker first. Now, we know what happens once, once that took place. A bunch of stuff, you know, happened, right? But what I, I was intrigued by is that literally Jesus is saying in this kingdom, sometimes the person in charge will literally set something up on purpose so that you can see what's really going on. Because the kingdom of God is not just a kingdom of workers, but point number two, if you're making notes, is this: it's a kingdom without jealousy. It's a kingdom without jealousy. In fact, the landowner, he points out the real issue of what's going on in the hearts of these workers. Let's look at it in, Ma- in Matthew chapter 20, verse 8. He said, should you be, what's the word? Jealous. Should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? He points it out. He says, listen, you guys have something going on inside. It's called jealousy. Now, let me just stop and say, you know, I think at times we all can struggle with feeling and being tempted to be jealous. When, when someone around you is incredibly blessed, they get that promotion or they get that new car or, or something great happens to them, does it stir up something inside of you? Because we all get jealous, but we don't want to admit it. Uh, the only one that, would, that will do that is Nick Jonas. Remember a couple years ago, I still get jealous. <laughs> Nick Jonas will admit it, but most of us won't admit it. We don't we all don't want to say I, I get jealous because well that, that looks bad and we, we don't admit it. But how many know with jealousy it's like BO? Everybody knows you have it but you. Because <laughs> you can see it. You can smell it. Because it comes out of your attitude. Comes out of your emails. Comes out of your posts. And what happened is literally, if God is the landowner, God set up the situation. Maybe someone is getting blessed around you because God is trying to help you to see what's really going on inside of you. Because the kingdom of God is not a a kingdom of jealousy. It's a kingdom without jealousy. See, what God's trying to get us all to do is simply this. It's interesting. We're going to talk about jealousy for a minute. I, you know, sometimes when you're studying, you're preparing, you don't know what you're going to get until you get there. If you've ever prepared a sermon, and I felt led to this passage for some reason, and so the next thing I know, man, I'm in the middle of te- le- you know, learning about jealousy. And as I began to study about jealousy, I found this passage in James, I thought it was really interesting because it gives us some insight. It says this. It says, If you are wise and understand God's call or God's ways... In other words, if you're going to live by the king's principles, if you're going to be wise and live that way, prove it. This is one of the few times in the Bible. Prove it by living an honorable life. And then it begins to tell us what makes us unhonorable. Because if you are bitterly what? Jealous. Jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart. You should underline those. Don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. Don't just throw another shirt on and keep your arms down. Take a look. Take a whiff. Evaluate what's really going on. Because there is, for jealousy and selfish ambition, selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Now watch this. Such things, living a life of jealousy, living under this world's domain, instead of buying into God's principles, here's what happens. Such things are earthly, now it's going to get worse, unspiritual, now look where it goes, and even demonic. In other words, we open ourselves up to the influence of evil spirits, of the enemy, when we buy into the domain of this world, rather than embracing the domain of God. And it goes on to say for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition. Now guys, leave this up, okay? And I'll come back and we'll go to the next point in a minute. But wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Every kind. You know what that means in the Greek? Every kind. (laughs) Think about some of the kinds of evil that you can think of. Do you realize that sometimes the root of the evil things that are happening in the world are because of selfishness and jealousy. You can understand why God is saying, listen, it's important that you deal with this issue, that you take a look at your heart. Now, you know, I was thinking about my son. They're gonna leave this up because I wanna go back to that. But I was thinking about my son, Tanner. Right now, he's, this weekend, he's playing the drums. And he's um, at, Azusa Pacific. He's getting his degree in um, business, music, music business, and he's also working on Bible and, and getting ministry training, and he was living on campus last year, but this year he's living kind of between home and at my brother's house in Rancho Cucamonga, <clears throat> so he'll go and stay over there for the week, and then he'll come back, and when he comes back, we're always excited to see him. I mean, how many of you, when your kids come home, you're excited to see him most of the time, Um <laughs> Some of you, are getting close to empty nest stage. You understand where I'm going with that. And so, but we're happy to see him. But what's funny is that usually we'll call and say, hey, what's going on? I'm coming in, I'll be home at you know, six o'clock and I'm in traffic and blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, the, the door will open and we're like, hey, son. And then suddenly he'll walk in and there'll be a companion, another person and sometimes another person and sometimes three or four more persons and he'll have five or 10 people with him. And it's not that we're not happy to see him, but... We're expecting to see him, not everybody else. Can I I just tell you that jealousy always comes with a companion? It always does. You read through this passage. Every time we see the word jealousy for where there is jealousy and, what does it say? Selfish. Selfish ambition. You see, jealousy opens the door to so many things. In fact, if you read through the story, here's how it begins. They start to get jealous, and what happens? They start the first part, because it'll open the door. Here's another companion of jealousy. That selfish ambition starts to stir up, and then what do they do? Because of jealousy, they start to compare. And they go, well, wait a minute, they worked an hour. We worked 10 hours. That's not, wait a minute, I don't understand. They start comparing, and then that opened the door to the next thing. And what's the next thing? The next companion is Complaining. So they start comparing, and then now they start complaining. Well, wait a minute. I deserve more because I worked more, and they worked less. And then it moves from complaining to coveting. What's what's coveting? That's wanting something that someone else has. So you're like, well, I should get what they have. And you see, what happens is, is that God's trying to keep the door closed to all the things that we invite in sometimes. And God's saying, listen, I want you to learn to live by a different mentality rather than created an environment where the enemy can get in and sow confusion and and do all of these things that bring harm to your spirit and to those around you. Because the kingdom is a kingdom without jealousy. Y'all still with me? Say amen. Amen. I've seen it. God literally wants to give you some spiritual deodorant. Come on, amen. I'm gonna work that angle all service long. You know, I I heard about a company in This is an example of how jealousy can destroy. And there were these two um, people that were hired at this company. One was named Sam and one was named Susan. And their jobs were different but parallel, and so they were paid the same. At the job review, now, the whole year long, they enjoyed their job, Sam and Susan. They were productive at their job. The company was happy with their work. But at the job review, at the end of the year, when they started talking about Sam, suddenly they started to have this conversation. Well, wait a minute. Sam should be paid more than Susan because Sam oversees five people, but Susan oversees three. And, and you know, Sam has five in his family, but uh, Susan only has four. And he needs to make more. And then Susan and her team started going, well, wait a minute. When I was looking at it, I have two degrees, but Sam only has one. And I'm a single mom and he's got a, another worker in his house. And so this argument and all this jealousy and, starts to happen. And the next thing you know, two employees that were productive and happy now are suddenly unproductive and unhappy. And the company doesn't know if they want to keep them because jealousy brought along some companions of comparing and complaining and coveting. And when Sam got his bonus at the end of the year, he's all excited until he found out that Susan got the same bonus he did. And she was happy when she got hers until she found out that Sam got the same bonus as her. You see, the reality is that jealousy sets the stage for evil for things to to work, and it starts to have an impact. And what's interesting is now, instead of being excited about someone and what's happening around us and excited about others and what God's doing in their life, we start to compare and we start to look at us and we start to make it about us. You know, when Jesus, he, he sent the 70 out, remember, and he said, it's about workers. Pray for workers. And so he said, go into these cities and do the works of God, and I'm gonna come to them. And the Bible says that when they came back, from doing what he said, and they get back and they start telling him all the great things that have happened. Jesus, guess what? I was in this city, and when I was in this city, I started laying hands on the sick, and people started getting healed, and demons started coming out, and all these amazing things were happening. You know what Jesus didn't say, he didn't go, well, what am I gonna do when I go? I mean, if if everybody's healed, what am am I gonna do when I get there? you, You cast out a bunch of demons? Well, what about me? You know what the Bible said he did? The Bible said that he rejoiced in spirit. You know what that means? He started dancing. He started celebrating. How many of you know we all have a happy dance? Come on, if I go to your favorite sporting event or something and your team wins at the last second, you'll have a happy dance. Jesus had a happy dance. Because here's the reality of the situation. Too often we tolerate people rather than celebrate people. And what the kingdom is about is it's not about you, it's about others. Because here's what the the scripture says. If we boil the kingdom of God into two principles, it's this. Love God and love others. In other words, the kingdom ain't about you. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. The kingdom is about others. And jealousy will rob you from the joy of celebrating what God is doing in others. You know, I was kind of thinking about this, and I, I remembered a, a verse in Romans, Romans chapter 12, which simply says this, Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. See, what God is looking for is people who understand the kingdom. And when you understand the kingdom, here's what you, you realize. You is that God's giving you a gift to work in your part of the field. And what he's looking for is for people to get excited when other people get in the field. Because we want everyone in the field. In fact, it's interesting, though, because when we start to see the story, they get angry and they say, why didn't you pay us more? And then here's what Jesus said, or here's what the scripture says that the response of the landowner was. He said, wait a minute, friend. Have I, been, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree... To work for that daily wage? In other words, here's the point. When you came to Christ, you looked at the cost. You looked at the price. You counted the cost. You looked at what he's blessing you with, eternal life. And you, you did all that and you said, okay God, I'm going to sign on the dotted line. I agree. This is a, I'm willing to make this commitment. I'm willing to pledge my loyalty to the king. I agree and then you signed the contract and found out that the cars went on sale the next day. (laughs) Or maybe something happened that surprised you and now someone else in your mind is getting a better deal. And what the, 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 the landowner says here is he said, wait a minute, didn't you think it was a fair price? Didn't you think it was a fair deal? Didn't you agree to the terms? You know, it's funny, when we go, um, as a family, we'll go uh, play, uh, on our camping trips, we'll go play uh, football. And all the kids, all the, the um, cousins and nephews and nieces will get up together and we'll, we'll get ready to play football. And when we do, we split off into two teams and then we set up the rules. We say, okay, this is the out-of-bounds over here. Everybody got it? This is the out-of-bounds over here. This is the uh, you know where the touchdown line is. The end zone is right here. It's this tree and that tree back there. Those two trees, that's the other end zone. And, and you've got to have five plays. to. You only have five plays to get a first down. And the first down is right here. And we set up all the rules. And, and when someone runs, it's not tackle. It's two-hand touch. You have to keep reemphasizing that rule. And um, you, everybody got it? And so everyone's like, Yes! We agree to the terms of the game, and we get on the field, and we start playing, and everyone plays, and everybody enjoys the game, even when sometimes you don't get a first down because you agreed to the rules. But then something interesting happens. Carlo, the seven-year-old cousin, walks up and says, I want to play. And when Carlo comes up and says, I want to play, suddenly the rules start to change because he's little. He's little. He's not as big as the rest of us, so instead of having to count to seven alligator like everybody else, he just runs straight in. <laughs> and nobody minds. And sometimes he'll be on offense and we'll give him the ball and people act like they're you know, gonna touch him and they'll fall off to the side and he'll run down and score a touchdown. And everyone is excited and enjoys it because here's the point. We're more excited about him being on the team, on the field, than winning the game. And what God is trying to teach us in this process with this issue of jealousy is that, listen, it's important to get people on the field. Your job is to help us fill the field, to use our gifts, to fill the field. Because there's, there's a big, huge field out there, and there's so much to do, and the workers are few. So don't focus on you. Focus on the game. Focus on getting people on the field. Because if everybody would just get on the field and use their gift... for your kingdom I know though some of you your first response is well Pastor Jerry that's good in theory but I know myself I in reality I don't know if I can do that and I can try you know I just started coming to Higher Vision Church by the way I'm new at this whole church Christian thing And if you're here today and you, you think, well, gosh, I don't know that I could use my gift. I don't know if I feel qualified. Or I don't know if I have the time. You know, we always have excuses, right? There's other parables we could use as an example of that. Or maybe you're here and you're like, you know what? This whole jealousy thing, it's tough. I, I was raised. You don't understand the family I was raised in. There was a lot of kids in the house. It was fight for what you get. You don't know the culture that I live in. You don't know what it's like on the job. You don't know what it's like in my neighborhood. I don't know if I can do it. Can I tell you something today? I have a word for you, and it's from the Lord. You can do it. You can do it. In fact, there's a verse that many of you have quoted, many of you have heard, and what you didn't realize is that this verse is to tell you that you can do it. It was by Paul when he was speaking to the Philippians, the church in Philippi, and here's what he started. He set up this verse by saying, I'll give you the context before I give you the verse. He said, you know what, guys? I understand. I know what it's like to have a lot, and I know what it's like to have a little. I know what it's like to be well-fed, and I know what it's like to be hungry. I know what it's like to be on the stage, and I know what it's like to be on the pew. But I've learned this one thing, that I can be content. Whether I get the hour wage or I get the day wage, I can be content in all things, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you realize that that verse was written so that you could know that you could overcome this kingdom, this world's idea and dominion, and you can step into God's concept of what it means to live for his kingdom. You can do it. You can do it. I think when you start to shift in your thinking to understand that, when you start to understand that it's about getting people on the field, suddenly your perspective changes. Do you you think that Noah, when he got to heaven, went to God and said, God, I don't get it. You asked me to be faithful for 950 years. And you only asked Saul, I mean Paul, to be faithful for 50 years. What's up with that? I don't think Noah said that. I think Noah said, I didn't know you'd pull Saul onto the team. By the way, you changed his name, good idea. (laughs) I didn't know you were getting him on our team. That guy's a good quarterback, good job, God. When you see someone that has spent their whole life serving themselves, the enemy, never considering God, and then on their deathbed, with their last breath, they call out upon the name of Jesus, and they're saved. Do you think the angels in heaven are like, God, what's going on? All these people at higher vision have been giving. They've been serving year after year, and this guy gets to have the same inheritance that they did, and he was just the last. No, they're saying, hallelujah, somebody else is on the team. Somebody else is on the field. That's what God is trying to stir within us, that we can rejoice with those who rejoice. I'll end with this. Sometimes, though, we can feel, I'm going to have the worship team come, sometimes we can feel like, well, God, I'm trying to use my gifts. I'm trying to serve and trying to, to embrace your principles, but I don't know if it's really making a difference. I mean, Maybe you're here and you, you've got a gift of music and you want to be a songwriter and so you've worked on some songs and you're like, man, I've spent hours and hours working on these songs and then I bring them to people that, that are in ministry and they hear them and they're like, yeah, cool and nobody ever uses them. I just wasted my time. Well, all those years, Pastor Jared, I served as an usher but, you know, it didn't really make a difference. I mean, I came early, cleaned things up so people could come in. They could have got in on their own. They didn't need me it really make a difference? Do I really need to be here? I showed up today, is that really a big deal? Does it really matter? I wanna show you a verse. I love this verse, it's found in Colossians. Colossians chapter three. Colossians chapter three, verse 23. Colossians chapter three, verse 23 through verse 24. There we go, all right, awesome. Work, what's the next word? Willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your, what is it? And that the master you are serving is Christ. You know what that tells us? That even when you set out help, and you showed up, and they canceled the event, and you felt like you wasted your time driving over there and coming back. Even when you volunteered in kids' ministry, and you showed up, and there were too many workers, and you didn't stay, you ended up going home. But usually it's not that way, it's the other way around. The effort, even when you didn't feel like going, but you went ahead and came to church anyway. And then you got there, and you're hoping to hear Pastor Jared speak, and it was a guest. I have people telling me that all the time. <laughs> you know what, what this verse tells us? You didn't waste your time, because you didn't do it for me. You didn't do it for higher vision. You did it as unto the Lord. And here's what it says. It's not wasted. And here's why you know. Because God is keeping track. And one day, He's going to call your name. And you're going to stand before Him. And He's going to say, here is your reward. It's never wasted to lift your hands and worship when you don't feel like it to sign up and serve in a ministry when you're not quite sure you have enough time. To take the job that nobody else will take. But when you have the heart that says, Lord, this isn't for me. This is for your kingdom. This is for your kingdom. Guess what? As soon as you do do that, God starts the clock. He just clocked you in. One day, he is waiting to reward and bless you. Yes, we all get the same reward. We all will go to heaven. You know that you can't get to heaven by working for it, right? It's by faith we're saved, not of works. And a lot of people try to work to get there. That's why the person that breathes their last breath and calls on Jesus is going to get the same reward as you do because we don't work for it. Some people stumble over that. They're like, well, why did they get to go to heaven? Listen, it's because you don't work for it. You call on Jesus. You have your faith in Him. He did the work. But yet at the same time, God isn't wanting you to work to get you into heaven. He's wanting to work so He can bless you in heaven with more. And not just in heaven, but on earth. For your kingdom. I want you to close your eyes.